0: Hey everybody, thanks for hanging out with us on this rainy Tuesday. We have a treat for you. We're delighted. We have Robin Green with us. Her book is The Only Girl, My Life and Times on the Masthead of Rolling Stone Magazine. And of course, we also know you as a TV writer and producer from your shows Blue Bloods and your work with The Sopranos. But man, did we love getting oh. to know you through your book. Thank you.
1: Robin. Yeah, here I am. Here I am. And, and-, and I've been I'm in Iowa City. I'm like due south of you probably. Are, right? you? Are you on your book tour? No. Well, I did read at the Prairie Lights bookstore here, but my husband and I have returned to the scene of the crime where we met. 43 years ago. Oh, at the, at, um, at the workshop. City. Yeah, at the workshop. So we're teaching a class in television lighting um, to poor, unsuspecting young people.
2: <laughs> oh, how wonderful. Well, welcome it to was. the Midwest. That's right. Thank you.
1: It's great to be back here. The thunder and lightning is spectacular.
0: <laughs> that was quite a storm. Oh, my gosh. It it was last night I was
2: woke up in the middle of
0: the night. Yeah. I mean, your book, okay. Your, your memoir, where you dish on everything about yourself, I mean it's sexy, it's rowdy, <laughs> it's dishy, you don't hold anything back. What made you decide to put pen to paper and tell your life story and bear everything? Oh, shall I tell you well, I mean yeah. there's a few there's a few factors here. Okay.
1: okay. One is that um somebody I'd worked with at Rolling Stone became a book agent, or she, she worked in the office, she was one of the chicks in the office, okay. she became a book agent in New York, and she said, you know, you were the only girl, we really looked up to you, you know, you should write about it, so it, it began that way, and the other motivation was that, you know, three years ago, I turned 70, and I feel, I feel just the way I did, you know, my whole life, but mm-hmm. inside you, you do, but... When you're seventy you kind of look you look you're you're not over the hill exactly, but you're you're getting there and you're looking down at the rest of the ride and it's like, Oh my god, this thing's gonna end. Well, so it just seemed to be a, a good time to reflect. Go back and pick up the stitches.
2: Robin you know? Robin, did it take you a long time to write this memoir? Um, no. I mean, should it? Should I say it did? No, no. no. It, it did not. It really no. didn't.
1: It took, it took, I I understand that nine months is a short amount of time. <laughs> to me, it seemed forever because I was used to much shorter, uh, forms and formats, but television and even journalism, though I wrote 10,000 words. This was something like 90,000. So I'd never really undertaken anything like it. I never had as much fun writing anything in my life. It just, it just uh, wrote itself almost i mean it was like automatic writing but i had to be patient uh to wait for the the book to take over if you know what i mean right. i mean, it kind of dictated to me i know people say that and you think that they're new age lunatics or something yeah but, um that's sort of the experience it it, it was it, it was a, a a good experience of writing because i i got to go back and forth in time i kind of knew how everything turned out, or I mm-hmm. thought I did, you know, yeah. since well, I finished it, I learned that I'm still learning of stuff, you well, know. Well,
2: can you give, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Robin Green, her memoir is The Only Girl, My Life and Times in the Masthead of Rolling Stone, can you give people kind of the setup, the like this a, a brief outline and then we have a lot to ask you about and PS we're jealous of the time frame you grew up into. I'm
1: good. You should be. We are.
2: <laughs> Somebody said on one of the
1: blurbs if you thought people were ha- I think Ruth Reichel said if you thought people were having more fun back then, you're right. P right. <laughs> <I know
2: it. laughs> green with you jealousy. Know, it was a
1: freewheeling time because I mean for a girl which Uh, one of you sounds like, anyway, for a woman, Um, the pill had just come out, so we were free in that way, in a way we hadn't been before. And, you know, it it, it engendered maybe a lot of foolish thinking, but also it engendered what it engendered, which felt like freedom. Yeah. to Freedom to just do whatever you wanted and not, you know, we were the counterculture, and we didn't obey the old strictures, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, somebody, Bruno Bettelheim, called it a a prolonged adolescence, and maybe that's true, but it didn't feel that way. It felt important, and it felt like we were, you know, a kind of tragic generation, too, because we had suffered so much loss. Um, I mean, not that any generation escapes but we'd lost so many of our musical heroes and so many of our political and cultural heroes. Yeah, in
0: the late '60s,
2: um, early '70s. And, and
0: so, when you went to, you know, went out west, you know, you're you've graduated, you've got your English degree, I think, and um, you went to a great, you know, college. So you do have your college degree, and you find yourself in San Francisco, and you. I mean, just tell us that story real quickly about. Well, I mean, I was waitressing in one of those little tutu uniforms. Yeah. This
1: kind of faux, uh, faux roast beef place. It was supposed to be English or something. Yeah. You know, it was ridiculous with a little cap and an apron and serving wench. That's what I had to say. I yeah. was I'm your serving wench. Oh, my <laughs> word. And, um, a friend from college, and by the way, you know, I did go to a wonderful university yeah, where I was uh-huh. really prestigious and all that, but I was the first generation to go to college of my immigrant family. My grandparents were immigrants. My parents didn't go. So, you know, to say that I went to Brown is kind of misleading because right. really I was a, I was a county. I was a, born in Providence, so right. I had that kind of uh, life experience up until that point. Right. But I did find myself as a writer there and a friend from college. Um, recommended somebody at Rolling Stone that I could go and maybe I thought maybe get a job as a secretary or something really cool because Rolling Stone to me, I just read it cover to cover almost. And I Well, not all of it, but yeah. not the music reviews, but, but for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the interviews.
0: To to it. What's that? You read the interviews, the great stories that Rolling well, Stone Well, I had. got to do the big cover features, yeah. I yeah. mean, I did right away
1: and I, because I went to... This fellow to, to interview for a job, uh, as, as I thought a receptionist, and I was selling myself as a secretary, I was very organized, I'd been a secretary, and he just said, and by the way, I dressed in my own clothes, you know, I dressed in this kind of ribald jacket and, and short skirt, and I didn't wear my secretarial disguise at mm-hmm. all. And I took my dog with me.
2: I love that. And, I love that.
1: <laughs> well, it was because when I went to see Alan Winsler, the publisher of Straight Arrow Books, which is who my appointment was with, he had his dog. And yeah. I just thought, I'm home. This is it. I'm not leaving. So, and and you- said, But he said, why do you want to be a receptionist? Um, why don't you just, I'll set you up with an interview with the on winner and maybe you can write something for us. My friend had told him I was a really good writer and then I I got my chance and I took it.
2: I know. And you really did. I mean, starting with, you know, we're going to run out of time. I just want to, you, you, you're one of our, one of our favorite, you know, our idol growing up, our boyfriend kind of was David Cassidy. And that, oh, I'm and so sorry. I know, I'm and sorry. and how you crushed him, <laughs> and Annie Leibowitz with the naked photo and the story. But I, I kind of, I love your approach that you were just balls to the walls. And you never thought about the recourse or anything. And and when you had this journalistic, you know, slap in the face kind of was when you were supposed to interview Bobby Kennedy's kids and you sleep with one of them. So you you have integrity there and you're like, I can't do this, you know, and that kind of got you fired. And then how you went on the Sopranos and stuff. But I... Your book, and I don't read uh, the autobiographies. Laurie the is memoirs. the verbose. Mm-hmm. The memoirs. Laurie's the verbose reader oh, so here. Oh, I thought it was looking at Lon on this piece of paper. No, it's, it's Laurie, Laurie and I Julia. You both sound
1: like girls? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> we're women. We're women. Uh, uh, this is so much fun. Yeah. But
2: we, we, this book is so juicy and so good and so. Poignant. And your stories about, you know, your friendship with your girlfriend, Ronnie, and, you know, uh, it, it's just, it gives, I guess for me, you know, I have, um, um, like I've
0: always kind of been fascinated at the group of women that came like after my mom. Right. And that uh-huh. really came of age like in the 60s and 70s, right. whereas Julia and I would be, you know, the 70s and 80s. But like who those first group of women were that were kicking down. Barriers. doors and barriers and figuring it out it's just yeah that's a I guess, thank you I guess your book is a very good portrait of I like I feel like my aunt Claudia would relate to this because she's about the same age and you know and she has talked to me about that she said you don't know that what a loss it was to be in your late teens and 20s and go through everything that happened like just from 68 to 72 Yeah. It's
1: true. It was, and, you know, when you're young, life slows down. So yeah. those years were really
2: long. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Now, um, touches Texas, because you do end up at, you know, you're at Rolling Stone. You know, you... You were there. You were on the masthead. You're there for like three years. You end up falling in to TV and were really fascinated with, you know, the, the Sopranos and that you were on that show writing the head writers, you and your husband on the Sopranos for the first five years. I'm mm-hmm. curious. Did you specifically write a lot of Tony's moms, you know, Nancy Marchand? I can't think of her character's name. For, uh, Olivia yeah that did you Olivia. did you write a lot
1: of her dialogue? No, I mean, my husband writes women beautifully and really. We, everyone writes everything. Okay, in you all write words, everything. You go home with you go home with an outline. This is what we're teaching. You go home for an, with an outline for an episode, which you've, you've drawn up in the story room, and it's taken around three or four weeks to even do that. Got it. And you write your own episode, and then you go and produce your own episode. So, I I wrote I loved writing Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love Tony. I love James Gandolfini.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that
2: must have been so crushing great. too.
0: And you know when you write in your in your book that you know David Chase the creator of The Sopranos, you know he doesn't recognize what he has with you. It almost sounds like he was like jealous or something. And he lets you and Mitch go. And I do feel as someone who watched the Sopranos live, you know, every week, you know, that it was on that. The sixth season was a letdown except for the very last episode, which I happen to like yeah. the ending, but you're yeah. now that I know that it was your voices that were gone. Well, you yeah. know, part of it was that it was great in the beginning.
1: Five years is really about it, unless it, 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 it can get difficult after five years. And, and the edges were starting to fray in our relationship even before that. So, uh, I, um, I think he did appreciate what he had yeah. in me for a long time, okay. and then he didn't until he didn't. Yeah, until he. It was he like a breakup. It was right. like I, you know, getting my heart broken by a guy. Yeah, <laughs> it was really awful, and I hated it, but. Yeah that um, that was that that's what happened yeah will
2: you be on yeah. our show again Oh gosh, I hate to hang up. No, I know. <laughs> I am talking
1: I, to you. This
0: is so much fun. Thank you. You're
2: absolutely. And I
0: mean, you wrote on Northern Exposure,
1: Exposure. which
2: was
0: one of our favorite shows back and in the day, and you created Blue, Blue Bloods, Bloods, which my mom was just like. You just thank that lady so much for creating Blue oh, Bloods.
1: Yeah, no, I know it's it's what it's what we needed to do after The Sopranos in terms of a hero, rather yeah. than an antihero. You know, just to kind of cleanse ourselves. Also, some a certain toxicity of, of dwelling in the mob for that long, you know. Right. Um, but it all it all somehow worked out, you know.
2: Yeah. And I love it that you're back in Iowa at the writers' um, shop and and do yeah. teaching writing for television. Um, yes. Just for the semester. It's too hard to do it any more than that. Teaching is the hardest thing. really. Is. Oh, I believe it. I it believe really it. Matters. All right, we got to go. We got to ask you one I'll last question, back. Robin, because we're, we're going to call you again. But what's the last great book you read?
1: Well, I'm reading a great book now called um, Asymmetry. And I wish I could remember the name of this author. I have forgotten her name. but That's okay. Uh, it, it's written by a woman. And there's another woman's uh, book written by the poet laureate of Mississippi called Heating and Cooling, which you must go out and buy. Okay, it's Heating and Cooling. Heating and Cooling, okay. and, and her, I think her name is Finnerty, but, you know, it's just a, a show of my age that I can't remember. <laughs> That's okay. Nobody's, age anymore. nobody's name. So um, thanks for reading my book. Oh, That's wonderful. The that was- Only
2: Girl, My Life and Times on the Mass Head of the Rolling Stone with Robin Green. We've got a couple copies to give away.